Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We regularly work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. In this episode, we continue where we left off last time with an exploration of Peter's tabernacle. I was hoping that I would get through this series in time tonight, but I don't know that we're going to make it, but we'll see. So, praise the Lord. We have been doing, again, the spiritual disciplines, and I have never gotten to them because I wanted to tie into uh, what it's all about and it's our connection with Christ. And we were talking about how this morning we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that tabernacle language and then how we correspond with those who are in heaven. We ended Sunday morning before communion with Revelation 6, those who are up in heaven looking down seeing what's going on saying, well God, when are you going to fix this? And God's saying, put a pause. And then the only other uh, individuals we learned about was when Jesus was transfigured, when he was transformed and experienced some of heaven's glories down here on the mountain, it was in front of Peter and he, they got to see Moses and Elijah who escaped death in, in a very special way for each case. And it represents the law of the prophets in Christ. And Peter is experiencing that transformation of seeing Christ glorified and it was ahead of his death. It was all the conversation that Elijah and Moses were having. Uh, they had experienced what Jesus is about ready to experience in a sense. They had experienced somewhat this uh, death yet being able to have this workaround that God had given them. And Peter is saying, hey, we need a good evening. Good to see you. Peter is saying, hey, we should build some tabernacles. We should, we should do something to, to experience this presence. This is great, you know. So we, we, he wanted to somehow capture the moment. Didn't have a Polaroid or a smartphone or whatever we got these days. And he wanted to capture the moment. Of course, he does for us. He captures that moment by writing it down by the Holy Ghost in the Scriptures. By telling us. And Peter will return to that story. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, Yea, I think it's meet as long as I am in this tabernacle. He's talking about his tabernacle now. And we talked about Paul using the tabernacle as our bodies that are wasting away. And now Peter is at the end of his life knowing that he's about ready to meet the Lord. Of course, his whole life he's thinking Jesus is coming back. But then he's like, as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remember, I want you to remember. It's important. 
I need you to remember these things. And that's the biggest problem that we find in any churches, as Ed always is commenting about. They're forgetting. They're forgetting the Word of God. They're not remembering the word that you just prayed about, that Peter talks about. They're not remembering these things. And Peter's saying, I want you to be in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as the Lord Christ has showed me. In John, at the end, Jesus prophesied to Peter that he was going to come to that end. And so he says, I knew this. It was going to happen. I was going to have to give that tabernacle away. And so... He does the same thing what we discussed in Sunday school where Paul talks about our bodies as just a tabernacle of the heavenly glory. It's a way that Moses was able to capture some of that. It's interesting at the tent of meeting that Moses would go there to meet God at the tent of meeting after the golden calf incident. The tent of meeting was moved outside the congregation of Israel because God was grieved with them. And so the tent of meeting was outside, set over there, and they were in their formation over here. And Moses would go to the tent to meet with God. And Joshua would help out and tend him. And it got to some point that when Moses would leave the tent, but Joshua wouldn't. Joshua wouldn't stay in the presence of God, in that tent, in that tabernacle, until they were able to build the actual tabernacle that they were supposed to build. And so Peter is talking about his body is just containing some of the presence of God, but he's getting ready to go up and experience the fullness. So we talked about in Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, the celestial and the terrestrial, how our bodies are being renewed. Inner body is inward man is being renewed day by day, even as our outward is falling apart (laughs) and we all know that our outward bodies are falling apart they are and Paul acknowledges that he says our bodies are groaning and Peter says I'm about ready to do what Paul talked about but before he goes on excuse me in verse 15 moreover I endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And this is where he's pointing back to what we ended the Sunday service with. Where Peter is on the mount with Jesus, Moses and Elijah show up. And the presence of God is there. He's like, we got to build this tabernacle. I want to be like Joshua. I want to stay in his presence. I want to bottle this up somehow. But Peter wasn't under the full revelation at that point as the fisherman still in training to understand the coming of the Holy Ghost because in Acts chapter 2 he would have that presence come down on him, the coven tongues of fire, and he would have the Holy Ghost in him. And that's what Paul talks about. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the tabernacle. We're the temporary dwelling of God here upon the earth just as he took that mud, breathed his breath into it, just as Pentecost the Holy Ghost came down in us and the glory of God entered into us the same Holy Ghost that Jesus operated by in John 3.34. Peter got to experience it. He became the tabernacle that he wanted to build on that mountain. And he says, I was an eyewitness of that majesty. Jesus is not just some man. We went over that Wednesday night. He's monogonese. (laughs) Anyway, you guys have to take someone out that was here Wednesday night to understand monogonese. He says, we're eyewitnesses of that majesty. We were there on that mountain. For he received from God the honor and glory when there came a voice from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 
And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy mount and that transfiguration and we experienced the glory of God in Christ Jesus in a fullness that no one had ever seen on the earth. We saw it. We saw it. We saw it. And of course I told you about the seed in John 12. Verily, verily, I send you except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die. It abideth alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And we talked about our earthly bodies are like that seed that goes into the ground and dies. But it produces this wondrous fruit. It produces more seeds. It produces fruit. And so God tried with Adam, but he wasn't able to accomplish what he wanted. Just like Jeremiah said, the potter was trying to make the clay in one way and it just didn't work out because the clay resisted. So then God made something different. So then God tried again with, from Adam, Adam, Adam in the Hebrew, to Avram, Abram, Abraham. He says, I'll take this idolater. When the rest of the world went out chasing after all these other gods, I'll take an idolater named Abraham. And through you, Abraham, I will bless all the families of Israel. At the time, Abraham had no son. Through you, Abraham, who has nothing, I will bless all of it through your seed. And he's like, seed? What are you talking about, seed? I'm going to die. And my servant is going to inherit everything. And then we had the whole Ishmael incident. But through that seed, much fruit came forth until the fruit of Christ came, who was the seed of the woman prophesied in Genesis 3 that restored us back to the original Adam. Because he's the next Adam, the last Adam, that fixed what the first Adam could not do. And he invites us to participate in the same and to bring that glory back here upon the earth even as we wait for his coming to experience it. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we were in parts of 4 this morning and we were in parts of 5. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Temporal. We talked about that this morning. But the things which are not seen are eternal. There's the, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians the corruptible and the incorruptible. We talked about that this morning. Whereby the seed, Paul says, of us is one glory. But when that seed goes in the ground and dies and then goes on up to the Father, just like the plant comes up out of the earth and the tree grows all up into and then produces fruit, more seed, then we experience this wondrous thing. And I ask you, I know that our prayer request is all about the temporal tabernacles. That we got so much cancer and heart disease and different things on here. But really, our prayer time needs to also be about the things which are eternal. And experiencing the presence of God and that glory. And Peter just didn't know what to do. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. (laughs) And he's like, sees this glory. He says, can we build tabernacles? Can we we contain this? (laughs) Because this is awesome. You know? And yet he didn't realize Pentecost was coming. Now the ESV here has, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things which are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Transient. These things that we see now, that we walk by faith and not by sight, because the things we see now are just temporary. 
They're transient. I want you, it's, it's transition. It's a trans. When you're transient, I'm getting ready to transit. I'm going back to where I came from. Is that where I came from, from the wild goose? I'm still a little confused. But anyway, I'm going to be on a wild goose chase. I'm going to be transit, moving from one place to another, from one culture to another, from one time. And Paul was talking about these glories, how we're moving, and it's transient. I want you to understand this idea of the transient in that word there. Transient. That we're transiting. We're moving from one place to another in transition. And it reminds me of Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Way back in the beginning at new creation. God was dealing with, at that time, as I've taught you, you couldn't see the earth. It was underneath the water. All you saw was water. It was in Genesis 1, a world of water, that God divides the water just like he did the Red Sea. And the earth comes up out of, emerges, arises out of the waters. And from that earth is where he takes humans. The Greek translation of Genesis 1-2 says, But the earth was unseen and unprepared. And darkness was upon the face of the and the Spirit of God rushed upon the water. It was unseen yet. God was just beginning. And there are things in our lives that are unseen. That that's why we walk by faith. That's why faith is those things unseen. <laughs> Out of Hebrews 11.1. 1. That God is doing something that we cannot see yet. They're coming. It's like a birth. They're coming. They're growing. They're going to rise up and we don't know. It's just like at the tip of the iceberg. And they're unprepared. They're unprepared. These things that are getting ready to happen. Now I know that Jesus is coming. Because we're told he is. But at the same time, there's things that are unseen and yet unprepared that we need to be doing to usher in that coming. To participate in that coming. That that's whatever they are, That's why he hasn't come yet. Because he's ready. (laughs) We're not. Otherwise he'd be here already. So that's what I'm talking about. Even in the original creation, things were unseen and unprepared. And God was bringing them together. Bringing them like you do when you did the meal on Friday at the annex for Thanksgiving. You had to have the sign-up sheets and you had to go get the stuff. My wife would get the food from the earth. She would get the spices from the earth. She would get the wood from the forest. She would prepare everything to make a meal and cook it and it would take hours just to prepare the simplest of meals. You know, didn't have the DoorDash. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, they did. She dashed out the door and went and got it. (laughs) And then she brought it back, and then she had to cut and clip and do everything on an open fire, on a mud thing. And so, Paul begins to describe this, and Paul had many heavenly visions. We were talking about those in Revelation 4 and 5, I'm always talking about. We talked about in 6, the actual people that are on the earth that go up there when they die, and then they look back down and they see things going on, and they're asking God, you know, when are you going to do all this? Jesus, when are you coming? We ask the same question, they're asking the same question, and God says, just wait, rest. I've got this. But Paul had many heavenly visits. 
Many times he saw angels. Many times he saw Jesus. Many times he went up. We don't, we don't even know when all these occurred. We don't know when this happened in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he went up to the third heaven. We do know in Acts 14 that he died. They stoned him to death. And he brushed it off. And he went in there the next morning and said, How you doing? <laughs> you killed me last time. Here I am. Killer sermon, right? <laughs> Killer sermon. And then he said, Okay, I'll go. You just can't handle me. I'll go. This is after they thought that Paul was a god. Remember? In Acts 14, they thought he was a god. And then when he refused for them to worship him, then they wanted to kill him. And then he comes back and says, Okay, you killed me last night, but here I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we don't know if that's when he had this vision or when he was in a trance in the Jerusalem temple. said he went to the temple and he was caught up in a trance. In Acts, I think, 21. Or if it was another time. We don't know when. But he made visits upstairs. He had visits up there. And he describes it for us. Verse, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such one I will, will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. But in my infirmities, though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear. Least any man should think of me above that which he seemeth to be, or that he heareth of me. He's saying, you know, I'm not too excited about myself. I used to do all kinds of bad things. I made lots of mistakes. I was killing Christians. I was arresting them. I, I, I wasn't in, Jerusalem wasn't enough. I was rounding them up in Damascus. And God stopped me in my tracks. And yet this same I is writing half the Bible, even though they lock him up in jail. What's he do? He writes half the New Testament. <laughs> you know. Didn't stop the Word of God. Just gave Paul time to stop and write it down with the Holy Ghost. You want me to preach it? Fine, I'll write it down for you. Amazing. You know, he says, but I, I cannot glory in these things. So Paul was trafficking in those glories that I keep talking about from this morning. He was trafficking with that stuff. At the same time, he was dealing with all kinds of, if you read the previous chapter 11, all the shipwrecks and the beatings and everything he went through. I mean, he's got two things going on. Everybody is trying to kill him. And he used to be one of the ones trying to kill people just like him. And yet he's experiencing these great realities of heaven. And he's like, man, I just don't know what to do here. It goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now I see through glass, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I'm known. But even Paul said, after making this visit up there, says, I still only know in part. I still only know in part. He, he thought Jesus was coming any minute. Just like we do. We're a lot like Paul. God never told Paul or Peter that we know of that I'm not coming right now. Not that we know of. I mean, Peter has kind of an idea. I guess I'm going to die because Jesus told me I'm going to die. And I guess my time is up. My number's up. And I'm going to go. Just like Jesus said. But he hasn't come back yet. But he said, still, I only know in part. Even though he got the... See Jesus how many times on the road to Damascus? And when he was at Corinth and they were, he's going to leave and he said, I need you to stay here for 18 months. Paul's like, why am I going to stay here for 18 months? Because I have many souls that need to be saved. 
You got to stay here. Well, the angel visited him on the ship and said, they're going to lose everything on the ship, but you're going to be fine. And even when he, gets, when he gets drowned in the ocean shipwrecked and he survives, everybody's going, Paul, everything happened just like you. Paul is putting wood on the fire so he can get warm and a snake bites him. And the native's like, oh, that's one of those that kills your snakes. That man must have really been bad because not only did he survive the shipwreck, only get by a snake, the gods really want him out. Satan was after him. And he just shook the snake off in the fire and said, I ain't got time for that. I got to preach. <laughs> what a man. What a man. And still he says, I only know in part. Now I know the greatest part. The greatest part is what? Out of that chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. What's the greatest part? God's love. Romans 8. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. I don't care what all the powers of darkness do to me. I don't care what the Romans do to me. I don't care what the Jews do to me. I don't care what I do. God still loves me. That's the greatest part. And that's all we need to know this side. We don't need to know the rest of the details. Well, why is this? No, no. Don't care. Paul says I only know a part. The part I need to know, God gives me. And I go with that part. And this is the guy that's like up there all the time trafficking in the heavenlies. I mean, Jesus is coming down and having regular conversations with this guy. Do we ever see anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus came back down to speak to Peter personally? I don't recall. Maybe you can show me. But multiple times did Jesus visit Paul. And Paul's like, man, I wish I was born when Jesus was born and was there. And Jesus makes up for it and shows up several times to meet Paul personally. Personally. Personally, heaven came to Paul in some of his darkest hours. Paul didn't say, I get rapture, hit the rapture button. Do me up, Scotty, now. No. No, he experienced heaven here on the earth. Even though he experienced heaven up there. He experienced heaven here and here. Acts 9.3, as he journeyed, he came near, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. Acts 18, 9 and 10, Then he spake to the Lord in a vision by night, Be not afraid, speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. This is when he's in Corinth. Acts 22, And it came to pass, to when I was to come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and I saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive that testimony concerning me. Jesus is talking to him. This guy he regularly meets with Jesus. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Moses and Elijah come down, and they discuss the cross. Paul is doing discussing the cross, and Jesus personally shows up to him. Heaven comes to Paul and visits. Now we all want Jesus to come, yes, but this is amazing what heaven does for Paul. Acts 23, 11, and the night following, the Lord stood by him. The Lord stood by Here it is again. The Lord stood by him. Who's that singer that's, I'm still standing. Forget that. The Lord is standing beside me. Remember that. That's much more exciting. And he said, be a good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. I'm going to get you through. Amazing. 
This is what I'm talking about. We got access to Jesus. Wow. Praise the Lord. Acts 27, verses 23 and 24. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, of whose I am, whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all of them that say it with thee. I'm going to, this is going to happen. This is going to happen, Paul. Paul's like, I don't think much of myself. (laughs) I'm not the one doing all this. It's God through the Spirit. What did we say this morning? It is God through the Spirit. That's what we said this morning because we read the Word. Philippians 3, 20, verses, uh, th- chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven. Is your conversation on heavenly things? We're back to where we were in January. And here it is, December. And God hasn't changed the subject. So how much is our conversation about heaven? Not us going there, but us experience some of that here now until we go there. The way Paul did. Whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. He's coming. Who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like his glorious body according to working whereby he's able to even subdue all things unto himself. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. Paul considered his body vile. This thing is just getting in my way. It's getting in my way. I got to preach Jesus. Luke 16.23 says in hell. He lifted up his eyes being in torment. Seeing Abraham afar off. And Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man that died. Abraham that's down there. There's a separation between the two. God has separated in Sheol, the place where the dead go. Jesus is telling the story in Luke 16. There's a separation where the rich man, and the rich man's like, man, I would love to be where you're at. (laughs) Can you just give me a little drink of water? Wouldn't last anyway, would it? (laughs) The bottle would melt and things turn to steam, right? (laughs) He said, if a dead man would go, Jesus said, even if Moses, they have Moses, if a dead man and Jesus dies, then they still don't believe. Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. That man, the rich man, is down. And that's where God reached down and pulled up and put his life in that earth. And earth became earthling. And now that rich man is down. He couldn't see Lazarus. And now Lazarus, that Lazarus, is with Abraham. And he's separated out. And God wants to use us to reach all those bits of earthlings that need the Spirit of God inside of it, to experience the Spirit of God inside of it. At least they go where that rich man went. He had everything, but he had nothing. And Lazarus had nothing, but he had everything. Where are they at? Where are they going to be? If we don't do what God did, 
when he did the first CPR and he breathed life into the mud and out of earth came earthling. This glory that we're talking about, this Holy Ghost that we've got. You wonder why he hasn't come yet. Because he's not finished. Because there are things unseen and unprepared that he still wants to use us to accomplish upon the earth. In Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea and I John saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven prepared prepared oh there you go the unprepared is now the prepared as a bride adorned for her husband hallelujah coming here it's coming here Mm. heaven on earth that's how it's described in the last chapter it's described as heaven on earth Last two chapters of your Bible. 21 and 22 Revelation. A new earth. New earth. Remember, we're worried about this. It's going away. It's going to pass away. This is nothing. A new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth are passed away. And there's no more sea. The water of Genesis 1 is gone. Because now heaven... Water is a division, a dividing, a divider. That man in Luke 16, the Greeks had the river sticks. They they had even a river down there. There's no more water. There's no more dividing. It's heaven and earth is now one. Notice. A new heaven and a new earth that are one. And Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. Prepared. Oh, hallelujah. What he's been preparing for the marriage feast. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice saying, Behold the tabernacle. There it is. Oh, glory to God. The tabernacle of God. The one that was up there is now with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's that tabernacle we started out this morning with in Sunday school. The presence of God. There's that tabernacle that Peter wanted to build. Why did Peter want to build the tabernacle? He knows something that we don't about tabernacles. He knows something that we need to mark out an area where there's holy ground where the presence of God he knows and he's thinking it's time to do this and Jesus says it ain't time for that yet Peter but it will be in Revelation 12 uh, 21 3 the tabernacle will be but he wanted to build on that mount hmm, you wonder about he's asking me about Armageddon at the beginning before the service starts the word Armageddon is mountain of Megiddo how in the world can you have a battle on top of a mountain because it's a supernatural spiritual warfare also. The heavenlies are on fire too. It's a battle on earth and heaven at the end. But it's coming and it's going to squash everything. Remember, we either fall upon the rock and we're broken, but then he heals us. Or the rock falls upon us and we're crushed. That's how Jesus described it. That's how Jesus described it. Going to Jeremiah again, I said earlier, 18.4. And the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, so as seemed good to the potter to make it. What we got now is 
not what God really wants. Just ask my wife. She knows I'm overweight. I'm on the heavy side, but I'm on the heavy side of the wrong heavy. Instead of the glory of God exuding out of me, my, I grew. I grew about three inches since, since I left Nepal when I lay down. She doesn't say, why you've grown? No, 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 no. That's, that's not what God intended. He, he wanted, but we resisted. So he's going to do something far more glorious, grander, and greater with us. And we can participate in some of that now. That's what all this message is about. That's what the spiritual discipline is about. That's what all this is. Is you and I interacting with the Holy Ghost now to experience some of that, what God wants to do then. Even now we can experience. It's coming, but we can have some of it now. The Holy Ghost is a down payment on what's coming, which means we can have some of it now. It's like when you get that game and you're playing and you're on level one. My nephew plays video games. He's on level one. And he moves up to level two eventually. We're in the game. We may only have level one, but we can still enjoy level one until what's coming is next. But we can always level up. We can always grow that we talked about this morning. The growing into these things. Moving out of this into that. And experiencing that Transition, being transient, moving into the things of God deeper, even while we're here. Even while we're here. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's how it was in the beginning. We were made in the image of God after His likeness. Apparently, Adam and Eve didn't like His likeness and they chose to like something else they've always said about Facebook they wanted to have an unlike button or a hate button, I don't know, what do you call it they never did come out with it because they said it was going to be terrible if they did because there's already so much hatred in this world but Adam and Eve decided to like something else and the image was not destroyed, it just got marred remember Jeremiah 18.4 is very precise. It just got marred, so God had to do something else. Which is what we did the whole series on Hebrews about every Sunday night. Was God was good in Genesis 1. Now He wants to do something, according to Hebrews, better in Christ by the Holy Ghost. Until we get to the best. And I think the church has largely tried to live off the good and think that's good enough. And they skip the better, and they're waiting for the best, and God is saying, no, I want you to go from good to better to best. And we have discarded the better. And as a matter of fact, I think we've, Ed always talks about it, I think we've kind of slid off the good, because we went in the wrong direction. Instead of going toward more of the things of God, we end up going away from the things of God, and that's why the church has fallen into the state that it's in. So all these things come together. That's what God did in the beginning. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. So this is the context of Paul talking about a building project, where he says in verse 9 that we went through on Labor Day, 
Yes, I believe it or not, I'm going back to Labor Day. I remember what we preached on Labor Day. Did I look it up this afternoon? No. Did I look it up last week? No. It's still burning like a fire in my bones what I preached on Labor Day, that we are God's building, we are God's field, we're the tabernacle that He is building, and fire will purify it. And whatever, wood, hay, and stubble, He says in this chapter, it's all burnt up, it doesn't matter. That's why I learned in John 15, verse 2, God says that He will cut the branches even if they produce fruit. If they don't, He'll at least use the dead branches to build the fire and make some tea because that's what I wanted from my wife. Who at least get something, twigs or something to make a fire and make some water to make me some tea. Let's get something out of it. You know, how the, do, do you do that, Cornelius? He always told me, a buddy of mine at work would always say, you know what, we eat every part of the pig except the squeal. Except the squeal, man. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had chicken feet soup, you know, over there in Asia. It's like, man, they eat every part of the chicken. Wow, chicken feet soup. He'll get whatever he has to out of it. But we'll at least be saved by fire. But there is gold, there is precious metals and stones that can be purified by the fire. And are, are we investing in those things? And we talked about that on Labor Day. So go back to that message. He goes on in verse 16. We're still in 1 Corinthians three sixteen, though. In that context, know you not that you are the temple of God. He says we're God's building. We're God's God is, we did that this morning with the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. We're building the temple of God. And first Christ, and then he sets all the other stones. And we fit in there somewhere as a stone. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Moving on, as we quoted this this morning off the side, but I wanted you to hear it again tonight and see it. But we all, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of God. Moses said, I want to see your glory. I'll let you see a little bit of it. I'm going to cover you. You can only see a little glimmer of it. We're just seeing through a glass, through a mirror. We're just seeing a little bit of it. It's like you can't stare at the sun. You take a picture of it with your phone, and you can look at the picture of your phone on your phone. But you can't stare at the sun. It's too intense. Unless you're President of the United States, then you can do whatever you want with the sun, I guess. Anyway. We, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of God, are changed into the same image. What's the same image? In chapter 4, verse 4, he's going to say the image is Christ. It's the same image from Genesis 1, 26. And we are being changed, is the Greek here. We are being changed. And it's, it's, God is moving us through this transition from good to better until the best comes. Yes, the world is waxing worse and worse, but the godly are to get better. We're moving from glory to glory. From the glory that Paul described of the seed that's corruptible to the incorruptible seed. They have two different glories. And he's moving us. He's transitioning us. That's why Daryl's wife Donna is always pointing out that I'm in transition. She says, I love that little spot there. She says, you're starting to glow. You're getting there, son. You're starting to glow. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's happening? It's again, God through the Spirit. It's by the Holy Ghost this is happening. Not by this. 
This is not going to last. This is going away. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's by the Spirit of the Lord. It's happening. Glory to God. Verse 4. Chapter 4. In whom the gods of this world have blinded the minds of them which bleed not. That's why they're not here tonight. Least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Shining out of us. Who is the image? He, Christ, is the image that he's talking about in verse 18. Should shine unto them. We have to shine that image unto them in this present darkness. The image of Christ. They need to see. We're supposed to be the moon. It shines the light of the sun in this present darkness. That's what he's saying. In John 9, 5, as long as I'm in the world, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Well, he ain't here no more. So guess what? You are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. And you need to shine. What? I'm the light of the world. You are the light of the world. How in the world does he put us in the same place as himself? These are his words, not mine. He said it, not me. How can we be the light of the world? Because we got Jesus inside of us. Is he coming out? <laughs> we keep talking about the coming of Jesus. How about this Jesus? Is he coming? Is he coming out? <laughs> Whew, glory to God. The messages of God's word. Romans 8, 18. In 19, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We talked about the light afflictions this morning. These sufferings of the present time are not worthy when you compare them with the glory which shall be revealed in us. God's revealing something in us. He's revealing something powerful in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We can't wait for heaven and earth, for those beings in Revelation 4 and 5 to come down here and it's, oh my goodness, and we join them. And that whole deal in Hebrews 2 verse 12 that we talked about, where he's going to put his arm around and he's going to introduce us to all those beings in Revelation 4 and 5 and said, here you go, check out my brother and my sister. Waiting for that moment of our elevation. Down to Romans 8.29. For he whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his Son. There it is. Paul in Romans 8 lays out. What does it mean to be a Christian? To be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what he's doing. He's changing, transforming us. Christians are becoming, supposed to be becoming more and more like Him. Getting back to that original likeness. God made us in His image and His likeness. Are we being like Him? Biblical theology here. That He might be the firstborn among many that's coming. All those who follow after Him. Hello, are you following Jesus? This is where you're supposed to be headed. Everything that I talked about today in Sunday school, Sunday morning, and now Sunday night. First John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are, whoa, we are the sons of God. John calls us the sons of God. The children of God. From chapter 1, verse, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
It's unseen. It's unprepared. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Woo, glory. Are you going to be like Him when He comes? Are you being transformed into that? For we shall see Him as He is. <laughs> in other words, what Paul said we only know in part, John says, there it is. He's coming. And there'll be no more parts. <laughs> the fullness is coming. In Genesis 3, 7, And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees, leaves together and made themselves aprons. Prior to this, they could not see this because they had so much of God's glory, the Jews said they shine, and all you could see was light. But the lights went off. And then they could actually see. And that's what happens. Sometimes we fail God. We grieve the Holy Ghost. Sometimes people see that we're naked. <laughs> they see parts of us that they shouldn't see. But it happens. And but John says also in 1 John, 1 John 1 9 that he is faithful. That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They had the glory of God and they became naked. We did a whole series on clothes. Go back on that series. Listen, we've done over 150 messages since February. I think you're supposed to pull it up next time and figure out which one you want to listen to next time on Wednesday night. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Here's Paul back to 2 Corinthians 5 where we were this morning in verse 3. I'm bringing it all together now. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Jesus, they took his clothes. He was found naked. He became naked so that we could take on the clothing of Christ. Just like those white robes in Revelation 6 we talked about this morning. Psalm 22 says, I may tell on my bones, I became naked. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them. And they cast lots among They gamble for my clothes. Matthew 22 verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man had not on a wedding garment. Someone tried to slip into the wedding feast without a garment. You can't do that. Especially when the garment was made by the king and the king says, I will pay you. In Revelation 6 it says they took on the white robes. We have to be clothed with Christ. We cannot enter being naked of this glory that he's talking about. He goes on in verse 12 through 14 of Matthew 22 and he says, Friend, how camest thou in there not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then he said to the king of the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many were called to come to the wedding, but few chose. And this man managed to slide in without the clothes. Are we going to be clothed with this glory? Or are we going to be found naked? Clothed with this glory? Heaven on earth, Eden, in Genesis chapter 2. But then Babel's failure in Genesis 11.5 was they were trying to get, build a stairway to heaven to make heaven come down, to make God come down at their command. They were wanting God to come down. The only time you can build a temple is if the God says, build me a temple. Then I will dwell there. But if God doesn't say, they built the temple, then they built the stairway to heaven, and then they were trying to, going to command God to come down. He says, oh, I'm going to come down all right, but not like you want <laughs> You're not going to have a remote on me and tell me what to do. 
They wanted to bring heaven on earth, but by their designs, not God's. Sinai, God did come, and the mountain blazed with fire. And then they built the tabernacle, and later Solomon the temple. And then Christ came, and he's heaven on earth. But then Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Ghost came down and dwelt in these tabernacles that Peter and Paul talked about, that we discussed just now and this morning. And then Revelation 21 and 22, the fullness is coming. The fullness. They only, Peter only got a taste. Paul only got a taste. We only have a taste. It's just the beginning. The Holy Ghost is just the beginning, not the end. Some people, I get confused. Some people's theology is like, I got the Holy Ghost. Like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, you're something special? That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of what God wants to do with you. Manna was bread from heaven. It was the bread of life. Psalm 78.25 says it's angel's food. And communion ultimately is eating with God. And we discussed the table this morning and we have the table again tonight for those who wish to partake. Partake of this glory of heaven. To partake of this Christ. To partake... Are you going to eat with God? We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.